get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day. Good morning, everyone. Happy hump day. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. 7 o'clock time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you kids back in the room. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're doing good. Good. Doing better like than to hear. Perry. Uh, oh, oh Corey, wow. Uh, yeah. We're starting out hot with that one. We're all doing better than him. Corey, we're the 15 seconds worth it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's sometimes you gotta ask yourself that sometimes. Like, is, it, is it worth it? How many people do crimes that take two minutes and give them thirty years? Yep. Like, yep. Is, was it worth it, man? No, no. <laughs> no. The answer is always no. He, <laughs> I want sense of yeah. He knew right after. Bad decision. Uh, but you know what? We're thinking that maybe there was some. Hate. We don't know. We'll probably never know the real truth. But uh, perhaps there were, the NHL has really gotten involved, especially after the Blackhawks scandal. Uh, they are so anti-hazing. And one of the things that they, they do that a lot of young players don't like and that a lot of people around the league don't like is having a rookie go out and skate by himself before his NHL the debut. Do that. Yeah. Uh, but that was one thing that uh, Zdeno Chara in Boston stopped. He wanted players to walk into that room and be a member of the team right away and have the team be completely bonded. I see that. I always, I always thought it was kind of like a nice gesture where you kind of get your mm-hmm. moment as a rookie of making mm-hmm. it to the show, something that you dream about. But I understand maybe kind of creating your own rules. But the Blackhawks, you're telling me that maybe they need to get ahead of some of their PR issues and they might have wanted to get ahead of this. And I don't know what's going on there, but that whole press conference yesterday that was that was really tough to listen to. Whatever it was, it was not good. Well, and that was a a rather harsh statement that they released upon the release of Corey Perry. Uh, let me get it for you here. If you hadn't had a chance to read it yet, uh, they went uh, they went right to the point and uh, let me uh, basically said, uh, hey, he, he broke rules and we're cutting him. And uh, if he, when he clears waivers, we aren't going to keep him around. The statement was interesting. Uh, the whole situation is interesting and compelling, and I think everybody wants to know the story. So, uh, we all would like to know. Tell yeah. us, tell well, us. Yeah, yeah, we'll never find out. Oh, we, we, I already know. No, not our, not oh, our, not our do. business. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the Blues played against the Minnesota Wild last night in the Twin Cities at the XL Energy Center, and it was. A typical first game for a team that fired a coach and got a new coach. The the Wild played well. The Blues did not play particularly well. Joel Erickson X scoring just 241 into the game for Minnesota. But at the 1030 mark of the first period, the Blues got the equalizer. They get it free to play. Put it in behind the net. Cut off there, though, by Rossi. They can't clear. Shot on. Rebound to play. Play into the far circle. Turns and shoots. Blocked. Pareko fires. Score! Colton Pareko ties it for the Blues. 9.30 to go in the first period. His first ever goal against the Wild. 
has tied it one to one. No goals, however, in the second period. In the third, Matt Boldy scoring for Minnesota at the 17-08 mark on a breakaway. And Minnesota wins it by a score of 3-1 to one out, shooting the Blues 37-24. to 24. And this was a game where the Blues, and it's going to happen when a team hires a new coach. We've seen it a million times. The team that hires the new coach outworks the team that doesn't have the new coach. Just happens. I don't like that, though, because is that just kind of the same of, well, they're tired, you know, when we were hearing... What was that yesterday? Tired or, you know, is a holiday going on? I don't like excuses like that because, Carrie, you mentioned this yesterday. The effort should always be there. And I think it would be one thing if the Blues were able to kind of build up more of a winning streak. But the fact that we keep doing this back and forth of what exactly they look like. It's a little frustrating. This is a team that they should have been able to beat because they also snapped a seven-game losing streak for mm-hmm. the Wild. Mm-hmm. They haven't been playing well, and the, I understand you make a yeah. change, but still. When does it end, though? Were you, like, when the Blues ended the seven-game losing streak last year, we were all pretty happy about it. Yeah. Some, Minnesota was going to win at some point. Exactly. And, and same thing happened when Mike Yo got fired mm-hmm. here and, and Craig Berube took over, and the Blues actually wound up turning things around, not right away, but teams do get an it's a little intimidating to be playing for a brand new boss. And that's exactly what Minnesota was in the situation of last night. Not that the Blues were lazy. I I didn't think they were awful. They weren't great, but I didn't think they were awful. And I I thought Minnesota just played with a high level of effort. Do we, I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm starting to understand. I, I think we have high hopes for this team or had high hopes but this is who they are. What what were your high hopes? That they would be more uh, cohesive every single night, playing hard every single night with effort and energy every single night. And, you know, you can lose games. I just – I've never been a fan of, oh, it's almost the, the, the answer was given to us even before the game was, oh, you know the Wild, they fired their coach, so they're going to come out here. Well, well, hell, if you know that, <laughs> why the hell wouldn't you come with that well, same effort and energy? See, that, see, that's, my, that's my concern about this team. I've only been watching hockey for 50 years. I'm guessing that in the history of the league, there has never been a team that played with that sort of effort over the course of I, 80, I, 70, I 80, 80. I agree. But it just it, doesn't it, happen. It, the drop-off shouldn't be as drastic as it it shouldn't be and, that noticeable and, and last night again was not one of those games where you can say oh that was just a they, that was a clunker that i don't think that that was what that no. was yep. there were some opportunities there was a, some opportunities in the first period they, they hit the post twice yep. right loud and and so they just missed but just i don't like the the, the reasoning oh thanksgiving was there oh you know the wildfire there coach i i personally i mean everybody yep. as, a, as a professional athlete you got a job to do and you not you're not going to win every game so, I, it, it then let's happen. just beep 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 let's back up then and think about playing three football games a week and, and oh, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't i mean and that's playing what they're doing. one football game right. a, a week is yeah. is sufficient and that's what they're doing so if 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 you can play a violent hard hitting sport you're going to play it three times a week are you going to be able to show up 82 times three times a week no. no, but uh, you want to see them take care of business, especially it, the power it, play. The power play is what well, is really concerning yeah, to but me. But that's, that's the thing. It's the, Doug Armstrong said, I hope we can finish third. So let's take a global view. If you tell me that as we approach December 1st, that the Blues are the number one wild card team, I'm fine with that because they were hoping 
to be in third in their division. They know that they aren't that great. The owner sat here and told us we aren't going to be elite. So our expectations should meet their expectations, shouldn't they? I, I, I Again, that's what I said. <laughs> I understand who they are. I'm yeah. not. I had high hopes based on how last year went and hoping that it would be better, how the Cardinal season went and hoping to have better sports here in the in St. Louis uh, other than St. Louis City. I was hoping that it would be better, but this team is is going to be a middle-of-the-road team for the entire season, and that's, exactly. that's one, who they are. One quick one, Brooke, and I know you have a comment here. But last December, the Blues went into Philadelphia and lost 5-2, to two, and Kerry was upset, and I said, CD, they played as well as they, they could. They played the best game they could. They could. <laughs> and they still lost 5-2. to two. And th- this team just isn't. Not that Minnesota is any great shakes, but the Blues are not going to be able to play with the likes of Colorado and Dallas and Vegas and even Vancouver this year. I And I get that. And I, I agree with Kerry. I think that this is just kind of who they are right now, middle of the road. But still, I was hoping to see at least a step in the right direction with the power play, especially when we're at... I mean, this point of the season, I figured that things would start to be going, starting to come along. Going over four last night, what are they, six for 65 for the season? Okay, you might make the playoffs, Randy. You're talking about a wild card spot. You might make the playoffs, but you can't do anything in the playoffs with a power play like that. No. Well, again, is this team going to do anything in the playoffs? I mean, do, do they have enough good players? to be a team that makes a run in the playoffs. All those players should be striving for that, especially Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo with their big contracts because that that's what everybody's looking at, right? That is the future mm-hmm. of your organization, and we're looking to those two to really step up in that way. I, I think that, yes, your expectations maybe should be tempered because they didn't come in here saying, we're going to win the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, but still, I wanted to see at least some improvements when it comes to the Blues power play. And they have rocketed to 9.2% on the season. They have shot up. They're, 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 yeah. they're third. <laughs> that's generous. To last, <laughs> yeah, right, instead yeah. of last. Yeah, that's good. Ish. Hey, uh, some <laughs> fun news from golf. And we haven't had all kinds of good news from golf, but Tiger Woods is playing in the Hero World Challenge this weekend. Yesterday at his press conference before playing in the tournament, he was asked how he felt about walking 90 holes or because he's got a practice round and then 72 on in the tournament. How does he feel about that? Uh, you know, Steve, I, I'm not concerned at all about walking it. It's more the, uh, I, as I said, I don't have any of the ankle pain that I had, you know, with the, uh, the, the hardware that's been uh, placed in my, my foot, uh, that's all gone. But it's the other parts of my body, you know, my knee hurts, my back. Um, the forces go somewhere else. Uh, just like when I had my back fused, uh, the forces got to go somewhere. So the, it's up the chain. Uh, so I, as I said, I'm just as curious of, as with all of you, what's going to happen? I haven't done this in a while. Pain is something else, man. Like, mm-hmm. if it's not one thing, it's another. So now the ankle isn't hurting, but sometimes this is back, sometimes this is knee. You learn to compensate, and if you got a bad knee, you learn that other parts of your body, my, my left ankle hurts, mm-hmm. or my right knee hurts, my, my left side of my back is hurt. It just, the pain just finds a place to to settle in. And so when we watched him over the last couple of years, I, I said, I don't know how he's going to continue to play. He can't even walk. Now, if he can walk, then I, I think he'll be able to swing a club. But him walking from hole to hole was the main concern for me. You had you saw him withdraw from events because he just yep. just third round. He's like, I, I'm not. My body won't allow it. And speaking of events, 
What's his schedule for 2024 going to look like? I think the best scenario will be maybe a term in a month. You know, I think that's realistic. Um, whether, you know, that's, you would have to start with maybe like at Genesis and then players. something in March, um, maybe the players. And again, the, we have set up right now on the calendar the the biggest events are one, one per month. Mm. So it sets itself up for that. Now, I, I need to get myself ready for all of that. And you know, I think this week is a big step in that direction. I'm all in. If, if I can see Tiger once a month, I'm, I'm a happy camper. Oh, yeah. When's the last time he played? Oh, 20. I don't know if he played all the time in 2019. That's when he won his last Masters. Uh, he didn't play all the time in 18. I mean, when's the last time he played? On a regular he played oh, last he, year. Uh, but yeah, but he how many times? How many he, tournaments did he play in last year? Yeah, Three, I, I think four? he he was done by April. He didn't okay. play in any of the other majors. I, I think for me, I said it last year. He needed to take some time off. Hopefully, this is. I don't think this is enough time, but <laughs> I, I think he needed to take more time off. That's the competitive nature of a of a professional athlete, especially someone as great as he has mm-hmm. been. It's hard to sit down, but his body needs to. His body has needed to sit down to relax and rest. And, you know, I wouldn't start playing until June or July when it's warmer. I'm excited to see him back because I think it's always great, right, to have Tiger Woods back. I just want to see him not in pain because it was really hard to watch when he was struggling. You didn't want to watch that. So hopefully that won't be the case this time around. And a couple of college basketball games last night over at Chaffetz. SLU fell behind by 20, rallied late to get within three, lost to Utah State 81-76. Uh, SLU is kind of meh so far this year. And Mizzou with an impressive win over Pittsburgh, 71-64. to And uh, there you have it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. It is a Wednesday. It is Ask Uncle Randy Day. You can text in if you have a question about what's going on in your life. Here we are headed towards the holiday season. You thinking about asking that special someone for their hand in marriage, maybe? Maybe doing some shopping for a ring or something like that? Or are you getting ready right after the holidays to call it quits on a relationship? And do you just want to talk some Cardinal baseball? Brooke, that was kind of a sour look you just gave me. (laughs) You went from really happy to spending the rest of your life with somebody too, or just ending it right before you have to get her a gift, (laughs) him or her a gift. (laughs) Wait till after Christmas. Wait till after Christmas. If you're already thinking about it, maybe you should, but I see what you're saying. You just dip out before you could get them the gift, so you're not responsible for that. Your questions for Ask Uncle Randy coming up, 314-399-9646, yo Ask Uncle Randy next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. All right. The text is coming in for Ask Uncle Randy and Cousin Carrie and Cousin Brooke and... Matthew Rocky is out today. Bradford Brun's in to provide your questions for us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Bradford, what do we got? Good morning, guys. Just looking like Kenny from South Park here. It's freezing this morning, I'm telling you, in the you studio. You do. I love South Park. That's such a great reference. <laughs> Uncle Randy, let's start it off. Hey, keep it going on the rink side. All right, Uncle Randy, just how bad can it get for the Blues power play in order for this team to still be competing for the playoffs come the spring just how bad can it get well here's the thing uh if if you just stay where you are and keep winning games despite the poor power play uh you you can be pretty bad apparently and still be reasonably effective uh that being said you'd like the power play to be better but think of it this way the washington capitals have the best pure goal scorer of all time on their roster they have alexander ovechkin the washington capitals do on their roster their power play is at 5.7 percent 5.7 for them. So I'm just saying it could be worse. That it it could be. (laughs) We don't want it to be. (laughs) Please, no. No, Christmas wish is more power play goals. But you know what? It's uh, the odds are that it's going to get better because it can't get much worse. That's one. I like how you 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 did that. Kind of the do factor. (laughs) You do for it at some point. It just makes sense. That is. Wait. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, I've got a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old at the house. At this time of year, also, though, the sicknesses. There's always a runny nose, cold, flu, what have you. Other than putting them in a human bubble, what do I do? (laughs) You just power through. Uh, You just power through. uh, You know what? You have to deal with it. They're they're frustrated, so make sure that they're as healthy as can be. And if it gets serious, make sure you take them to a doctor. But it's just typical kid stuff. And, uh, hey, take advantage of the lack of energy, man. I hear uh, four, three, and one, and I think energy, energy, energy. If they're all sleeping at one time, that might be a good thing for you. You, you, You're thankful for the the sick times Mm -hmm. because you know it's building that immune system. Yep. And it's building (laughs) the immune system of everyone in the house. And so you'll be better off for it in, you know, a few weeks. Yeah. After the Christmas holiday, around January, and yeah. get to February, you'll, everyone will be healthier, yeah. but you got to go through it. And oh, by the way, once <laughs> we get to easy. about December 17th, their physical abilities and uh, the, their illnesses won't matter because they'll just be so fired up. Yeah, there you go. Right? 
There you go. Power right through. Yeah. I am the worst person to ask for this advice, as you guys know in the room, because I've had a cough for like a straight month. Uh-huh. Yeah. My immune system is not is not immuning. It's not helping me whatsoever. I'm so, with you. if anybody else has some advice for me, I tell I tell you guys all the time. Like if I was in the Victorian area or just any other era where there was not medicine, I'd be gone in an instant. First plague, gone. This is called long COVID. It's going to go away. Oh man. Oh, is that what this is? <laughs> I don't know. Dear Uncle Randy, also from the 314, my dad is so hard for whom to buy presents. He never asks for anything. What should I do to make this Christmas really special for him? Okay, there's a couple of things that you can do. Number one, for somebody that does have everything, you know what they like. Get them a gift card. There's a reason that gift cards are made. It's for the people that have everything. The other thing that I would recommend is make something really unique. For example... Right before or right, maybe even for New Year's, uh, give your dad a certificate that says, I'm going to make you your favorite meal. Maybe he likes ribeyes and baked potatoes and and broccoli. Say, I'm going to come over and uh, I'm going to make you your favorite meal. Let's just set a date. I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be very personal and it's going to be from the heart. This is something I'm going to make with love for you. And it doesn't have to be steak. Whatever his favorite meal is, make it with uh, and get a dessert and just uh, treat him and let him just... Sit down, take it easy, and enjoy your good work. And by the way, if you don't cook, get great carryout. Get his favorite meal via carryout. I like that. That's a good idea. idea. Thank you. Something personal. That is my dad. I feel like my dad is so hard to get gifts for. He just kind of wears the same stuff. He he Uh wears Tennessee stuff. And that's about it. So then I just get him a bunch of Tennessee stuff. But then he has still his favorite Tennessee stuff that he mm. likes to wear. So I don't know if I'm ever picking it out right. Brooke, this is an interesting thing because I assume that your dad and I are about the same age. Uh, I also don't get rid of clothes. <laughs> he doesn't. He's had a lot of the same clothes forever. Yes. <laughs> that's why I'm just yeah. like, I don't even know if I'm doing this right, right because exactly. he, he has his favorites. Yep. There may still be an Adam Archuleta jersey hanging in this guy's closet. That's all I'm saying, (laughs) for real. Dear Uncle Randy, dealing with food in a different manner here. My three-year-old and his friends, they had a note sent home with them from school for making poop jokes at lunch. No, 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 no. I feel as if this was lunch and it wasn't particularly noteworthy. I also found it funny, so I'm not sure how to actually address this situation because, again... This is lunchtime. It's a time to be able to release their three years old. What do I do? I think you just need to handle this with a sense of humor. And I don't know what kind of school it is. And maybe different schools have different ideas about what is funny. Uh, but for three-year-olds, three-year-old boys, poop jokes are funny. And hilarious. they should be aware at that three-year-olds, it's hilarious. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that y- the thing to do, the play is just... Just to keep everybody pacified. Myself, I don't care. I I think it's funny that the kid is having fun. But just to pacify everybody, say, hey, we all love poop jokes, but can you not do them at school where teachers can hear you? And make sure that he knows that it's you think it's funny but and fun, but there are times and places where you can do it. And what you need to do with poop jokes as a three-year-old is do it w- with outside of earshot of the teacher. There you go. Be I careful with the notes. The notes always get snatched up by teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. That's the advice. Yeah. <laughs> Hide the notes or no notes. No notes. Yeah, just make it all vocal. Exactly. 
We have a check-in for Cousin Carrie. Here we go. That's all right. For Cousin Carrie. Cousin Carrie, I'm a lifelong Steelers fan. Am I positively insane for thinking there's the potential for something special to happen this December? You're not insane. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting at 7-4 and four right now. They are the currently the fifth seed in the playoffs, in the playoff picture if we were to start today. And so... You know, and I'm looking at the schedule and what they have in front of them. They have the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. They have the New England Patriots the weekend after that. They have the Colts in Indianapolis. Then they go and go back home and they play Cincinnati. Those are four games in which you can win um, and and really be in a really good position uh, in the playoffs. And then you end with the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle and at Baltimore week 18 against Baltimore. They may be resting their starters if they already have clinched the uh, first round by. So there's a, a really good chance to move your way up in that in that um, seating. I think they have figured some things out. They got rid of their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. They had gone 59 games without having 400 yards of offense. I don't even know how that's possible in today's <laughs> NFL, but they did it. Matt Canada and the offensive uh, coaches for Pittsburgh were able to do that, and then they figured it out and got it corrected last week. So there are things to be hopeful for. T.J. Watt is probably going to be your defensive player of the year again this season because he's playing at such a high level, and Miles Garrett may be banged up. So, yeah, you should be excited. Are you excited? Here we go. CD. Oh, I'm, I love are Pittsburgh. Are you thrilled? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think – you know, you, you gotta you gotta get in to win. So you know they they are they're they're they got that part down. <laughs> yep. And anything can happen once you get in the playoffs. This year shows us how unbelievable Mike Tomlin yes. is. Yes. Have you been surprised, Carrie, that Deontay Johnson and or George Pickens haven't been able to be a little more dynamic yeah, in the vertical weird. game? I it's yeah. Weird. yeah. I'm a little bit uh, perplexed with their their the work that they're doing, but. Pat Fryermuth came back last week and had a game. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe offensively they can figure some things out, get those guys the ball. Um, but finally getting over 400 yards of offense was much needed, much appreciated. Back to Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, why do the ladies not like short guys, and how can I get this to change? Oh, oh I I would. And Brooke, <laughs> by the way, you uh, you can answer this. Number one, you I want do- me to weigh in on the short kings? Uh, yeah, I do. Because I, I disagree that women don't like short guys. Uh, there there are, uh, Tom Cruise is a, a, a short guy, right? And the ladies, he was married he, to he Nicole got, Kidman. He, he and got long Penelope. money. So, <laughs> so that's His what money's tall, if you will. kind of changes things. But the way, well, I'll let Brooke tell you how uh, a short gentleman <laughs> can overcome his... Physical short, short coming. You're gonna put this on me. Wait, well, Carrie, real quick, because it seemed like you wanted to say well, something with I, it. Okay, I saw. I was on TikTok or Instagram. <laughs> they have a procedure where you can yes. get taller. Yes. Like oh. they put rods in your legs. Okay, no. Yes. No. no. Yes. This is, it is real. It is a surgery where they put rods either in your thighs mm-hmm. or in your calf area, and it can stretch you out about four to six inches. Like you can become a taller person. It, it, it was. I watched Randy. I'm not. A, I'm not proud to say that I watched the video for about five minutes. I'm like, it's amazing. It was like a before so, and after. So the, the, yes. a guy can use that vertically, and Kim Kardashian can use it horizontally. <laughs> Randy, no. Did we just add something to a lot of people's Christmas wish list? I, uh, I don't know how much There's, it costs, and I don't know if it's done here. I, I have seen it. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about, and it actually makes a difference. I, I mean, guys can go from like what five seven to, to like six, six foot, six. 
three. Like six two six three. This stuff. Hey, I don't know. Google it. It's, it's, it's on the I'm Google and TikTok machine. It's on the Google machine. I am offended personally because as a youth, I required a procedure for real orthopedic reasons with really? the rods. So, oh yeah. yeah well, for more version. Come on now. Have, <laughs> they have surgery that allows you to, you know, get taller. I believe that uh, that uh, the vertically challenged can be attractive to the yes the, uh, the, it matters the what's inside there you go it matters what's inside see you're not believing what i'm saying right now i, I see your face right now <laughs> well, first of all what do we consider short i'm gonna say five five or below five six or below yeah, that's okay. that's short. Okay. Yeah, okay. I will say with this procedure. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> with this procedure, everybody like putting that on their Christmas wish list. Uh, here's the thing: it is more about what's inside. If somebody is worried about your physical height or maybe some other attributes, I understand that you have to be physically attracted to the person. But if they're worried about hair color or height, and that's their checklist instead of what you have going on as a person, I wouldn't want anything to do with that person, anyways. Okay. Good. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Is that is that good? Just saying. Yeah. I like it. Usually in this world, you should be able to get away with. I'm just saying. Yeah. Or I'm just saying. Due, with all due respect. With all due respect. It doesn't work all the time. <laughs> no, apparently. it does not. It does not. I, I will say I do know some girls who are very much like. Okay, my requirement is that the guy has to be six two plus. Guess how dating has gone for them when that is not their great. main requirement. It hasn't yeah. gone not well. So that's why that. I'm saying. Just saying. It should be more about what's inside. Thank you. Randy, time for one more. Let's do one more. This one is quite delicate. (laughs) Dear Uncle Randy, for the last month and a half to two months, my wife and I haven't exactly been seeing eye to eye. Now, she says, says, however, "Mm, I don't want anything for Christmas. What do I need to do for Christmas? Well, you need to get her something. Don't. Don't yep. listen to that. Don't listen to don't get any <laughs> Christmas. You're not seeing eye to eye now. Show up in the end on Christmas. I can guarantee you. There you go. You won't see better. eye to eye because oh. the door will be closed. No. So you can't see each other eye to eye. And you obviously know her better than anybody. So you need to scour the interwebs and all of the malls and the outlet malls for the perfect gift. You need to really work at this one, and it's going to be very important. If you aren't seeing eye to eye, it's very important that uh, you you find her the perfect gift. She ain't going to tell you. She's not going to tell you what the perfect gift is. You're not getting a list, so you just need to find the perfect one. But, yes, you provide a gift. We were talking about effort earlier. It's just about effort. You don't have to do a big gift, but I think at least just showing that it's kind of the same thing with Valentine's, the other specials, or not other specials, other special holidays. Just putting in that effort of maybe getting her some flowers. She wakes up in the morning you already have maybe some breakfast made i think that those are really nice gestures that don't cost a lot of money to me that makes me happier than maybe getting a bigger gift you hear that just kidding be nostalgic (laughs) david i still want the big gift don't listen to what i'm saying right now (laughs) Uh, thank you bradford thank you and thank you very much for your texts we do appreciate it coming up here on the opening drive New Cardinal Sonny Gray has an interestingly structured contract. Why? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Okay, now uh, just one more minute on the height thing. And you, you, you don't want to, uh, well, I, I don't say you don't want to. Here's the thing. 
Brooke is saying, I want taller kids, which is cool. That's fine. She said, no, I didn't say that exactly. <laughs> kind of, no. But, but here's I the thing, Brooke. <laughs> Evolution is happening, and this has nothing to do with nutrition or working out. So okay. when you said that, I just typed in a random school volleyball, okay? So I typed in Kansas State Volleyball. Uh, Carrie, when you were running around to the University of Illinois, mm-hmm. were there a lot of six-foot women running around? Um, a few. A few. There was a few on the okay. basketball team. When I graduated from college yeah. in 84, there were none. Yeah, okay? there was a few. This is the Kansas State Heights for their tallest volleyball players, okay? 5'11", 6'1", 6'2", 6'1", 6'4", 6'6". Uh, six five. This is a Kansas State six two six six. So they've got ten women that are five eleven or taller, including six 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 five six four, on the volleyball <laughs> wow. team at Kansas State. This is every school in the country. Yeah. If you do Bradley, Bradley's women's volleyball team is loaded with six footers. Everybody has them, and it's evolution. There's, that's the only explanation. Just how people we are, higher people protein are just diet? getting bigger. I don't think diet has anything to do with height. I don't know. I Higher think we're protein. just evolving and becoming a bigger Gonna species. Be, be giants. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we already are. <laughs> Sorry, shorties. You're getting left behind. Is that what you just said, Randy, basically? Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, no. They're, they're, what I'm saying is, shorties, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> You can evolve. <laughs> yes, you can evolve. <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting note here in regards to the contract that Sonny Gray signed with the Cardinals. Three years, $75 million, And we think, oh, $25 million AAV, $25 million a year. However, reportedly, the contract, according to the Associated Press, is heavily backloaded. $10 million in 2024, followed by $25 million in 25, and then $35 million in 2026. And I... The first thing I thought of, oh, is uh, Paul Goldschmidt's contract is up after 2024, and he's making $26 million. That would give the Cardinals some wiggle room to add an extra $15 million to Sonny Gray's contract, plus any arbitration expenditures that you're going to have to take. And obviously, you can always take the $12 million due Kyle Gibson, the $11 million due Lance Lynn off of the books as well. And it's interesting uh, because we have differing thoughts. Our first thoughts are different. Brooke, what was the first thing you thought of when you saw the breakdown of Gray's contract? My first thought was, okay, they're going to be able to go out and get some more arms, whether that be bullpen arms or maybe adding another arm to the starting rotation. We keep talking about Tyler Glass now and that being a possibility. You mentioned the money yesterday, if the Cardinals would be willing to pay that. This could possibly help with that, including moving some of those players via trade would also open up the door for that. So that was my first thought is that, one, this could help with a trade, and two, they could also just focus it on getting more bullpen arms. Mm -hmm. And saving essentially the $15 million against your payroll for this year would allow you to do that. Well, I think it was obviously it's a good deal. It's a good good idea good good that they went that way about it because as you said some of those contracts will be off of the books at that time and you will be able to pay him more money and it won't hurt as much and then you'll be able to go out and hopefully maybe this season as Brooke said add another arm or two I'm still waiting to see if they if they you know jump into this free um into this this trade market and try to decide to go after some of those guys that are available um and and make this team, this roster, even better than what it was. And it seems like the only really expensive trade 
possibility would be glass now. Mm-hmm. Logan Gilbert, not very expensive, no. relatively speaking. Obviously, Dylan Cease. The people that are being, and the Cardinals aren't getting Cor- Corbin Burns. Brewers aren't trading Corbin Burns to St. Louis. So it seems to me as if the players that most of the pitchers that would be available in a trade are going to be in that $6 to $10 million range, which is, you would think, palatable for most major league teams, including the Cardinals. It's, it's everything is in front of them, and like I said, I'm I'm still taking the wait and see approach. I think they've had a pretty good off season thus far. Last year, we were we were waiting around for I don't know how long before they made a move, and that move was finally Wilson Contreras. We we were mm-hmm. kind of laughing, saying I guess they're not going to do anything uh, in last season off season. So they got after it this year, added some depth to a, depth to a position that they desperately needed to add it to. So I'm, I'm again, cautiously optimistic about where they're headed for the rest of this offseason and heading into spring training for 2024. I guess the worst situation is that they do this, and this is a, a great job by John Moselock of this contract whenever you find this information out because he gets everybody excited. The worst would be that they don't do anything with this, right? Is that they don't use this extra money. Yeah, and... You mentioned the bullpen. The bullpen does need help at the back end. I don't know that the Cardinals would be in the hater sweepstakes, but it seems as if they could use a veteran presence down in the bullpen. And you talk to pitchers, and they, whether it was Jason Isringhausen or uh, Brad Thompson, uh, Adam Wainwright, when you talk to people that have pitched out of the bullpen before, they always mention that veteran guy down there that can help young pitchers understand dealing with the pressures of being a relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. I think the Cardinals could use that, but we still don't know about Ryan Helsley. And do you want to go into a season where you say, okay, last year was bad. The pressure is on us to win. Do you want to go into a season with Helsley and Gallegos as your main guys? Um, I think probably not. I mean, I think you, you, you like, I like what Ryan Helsley, what he presents, what he, what he's capable of doing, but I think there are times where we've heard it time and time again where he's not pitching. You can't throw him out there two nights in a row or three nights, definitely not three nights in a row. Mm-hmm. So that's concerning for a guy that you want to be your closer. He has to be willing and able to go out there and, and shut down an opposing offense back-to-back nights if need be. And so that's one of the concerns that they've had, I think, over the last couple of years. And then just the injury bug has bitten pretty much everybody on this team to some degree, but Helsley has been part of that as well. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that they were also hoping that Ryan Helsley, that seemed to be something that Helsley was a part of that conversation going into last season, that they were hoping for something. And even mm-hmm. I remember Moselock in that interview that he did with Frank Cusimano, what was that, this past summer when we were talking about it, just some of the quotes that he had from there. They were really kind of hoping that Ryan Helsley would be able to do more going to this season. But having that insurance seems to be the theme for the Cardinals this offseason. I think that this is a really good text from the 573. What would be more likely to happen, a trade for Cease or a trade for Tyler Glass? Now, we're talking about this because after you see this whole sunny gray contract details, your mind starts spinning of, okay, what can they do when it comes to the trade market? I think that... One, would love to have Cease, but now the Tyler Glass now thing is starting to make more sense now that we have the details of Sonny Gray's contract because it makes more sense that you have Gibson, Lynn, and Gray, especially Gibson and Lynn, to really have that insurance because of their durability, what we've seen where they're able to eat innings. If you bring in a Tyler Glass now, and what has been our biggest concern, his injuries, you have Gibson and Lynn there that can help you. And my guess would be that with Glassnow out of the picture and um, Shane McClanahan injured, Tommy John this year, they're going to want young, nearly major league ready pitchers back in return in Tampa Bay. That was that's another question. I mean, the the young pitchers that we have, are we going to see any of those guys 
come to the forefront this offseason, this, this spring training? Are they going to get an opportunity, McGreevy or, or, or Graceppo, Tink Hintz? Are, are we going to get to see those guys maybe be on this roster at some point in 2024? I think from a stuff standpoint, you've got to think about both Hintz and Gordon Graceffo. I, I don't know if McGreevy profiles as a relief pitcher, but the Cardinals need to get these guys to the major leagues. They can't keep going out and trading for and signing veteran free agents. Three years ago, you went out and got uh, Lester and, and Hap. Two years ago, you go get Montgomery and Quintana. Uh, last year, you, you had to patch and, and find a way, but you wound up selling, and now you go out and buy three starting pitchers. At some point, when you look at Atlanta, when you look at Philadelphia, bringing up Nola and uh, and, and their young pitchers. When you look at the Dodgers, even though they've had injury problems, it seems like the most successful franchises that are consistently good are regularly bringing young starting pitching through their own pipeline. You really need those guys to develop here soon because you're about to be in the same position after 2024 that yeah, you're going yeah. into right now. Yes. So you need those guys to develop and step up. Yeah, That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time for Take It or Leave It. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Bradford Bruns in for Matthew Rocchio. Kids, I've got one for you. In, in 2000, Mark Cuban bought the Dallas Mavericks for $285 million. Now, he's getting ready to sell them to the Adelson family out of Las Vegas for $3.5 billion. Yes, Mark Cuban is selling the Mavericks $3.5 billion but he's still going to run basketball operations completely. Mm. He basically gets to own a franchise and is going to make three and a quarter billion dollars for his investment. Take it or leave it. We have found the smartest man in America. Oh, I'm going to be on board with that. He's basically got investors. He's he's got people investing in his team. Now, I'm assuming that they get the profits, which are enormous. But he gets the three and a half, he's 65 years old, gets the three and a half billion bucks, and he gets to run the team still. That's really what he wants to do. It's a toy, yeah. Yeah, He he Mm -hmm. wants to run the team. Just... That, that's amazing. Merry Christmas. Did I Merry say Christmas. that he's leaving Shark Tank? He is, yeah, after next year. Wow. I love Shark Tank. I, I mean, maybe that's that's why he's on there. He makes really good business decisions, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. I Very love nice. that show. So we talking about Corey Perry earlier. Um, you know, Connor Bedard. This is a, all alleged, right? We don't yes. all alleged uh-huh. for sure. Yep. And Connor the Blackhawks vehemently deny <laughs> yes. that there one. was a, a tryst between Corey Perry and Connor Bedard's Tris. mother. Number one pick. You know, mm-hmm. allegedly a generational talent. LeBron James, uh-huh. formerly a number one pick, uh-huh. a generational talent. Uh-huh. Somewhere, Corey Perry and Delonte West are doing the Spider-Man meme. Oh, 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 oh. Sadie! <laughs> I'm going to have to take it. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> no. Oh man. I, I do I do feel really bad about the rumors because nobody understands where in the world it came from, but with all the news coming out yesterday, didn't really help anything. No. And I know that they denied it, but still, with people not knowing the full story, that story's not going to go away. It no. feels true. It feels very true. Right? You you didn't give us a reason. You didn't give anybody a reason 
Yeah. You said conduct detrimental to the team or, or you know, the, the, the coded language that they it used. It was very coded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not going to tell you what he did, but we know what the hell he did and we didn't like it. Exactly. And he's no longer going to be here with us. It was very strong. Not Those great. rumors are not going away. Well, guys, um, Arkansas is bringing back their ex-head coach, Bobby Petrino, as their offensive coordinator. Take it or leave it in his first press conference back he should wear the outfit from his infamous press conference, <laughs> a.k.a. the take one it. after the motorcycle accident. 100% take it. take it. That is an iconic, iconic moment. So, as you guys know, covering the Razorbacks, I was there afterwards. I was there during the Brett Bielma era. But from what I understood, a lot of people thought maybe the PR people put Bobby Petrino up to that, said you have to go and talk. He was the one that wanted to do mm-hmm. that press conference with the neck brace on. Nobody forced him to do that. He wanted to do that press great. conference. Amazing. It's, this is the craziest thing ever. He thought he was going to get some sympathy because he had that neck brace yes. on there. Like, it's it's memorable. Your, <laughs> dummy. Yeah. <laughs> the hell are you doing out here? Did he not go back, Brooke, and visit campus thereafter, too, no, to try to continue to make more amends? That was the narrative. I just, I can't I never get saw beyond. him. Okay. Yeah, I never saw that. But I will say, and I'm sure you guys have seen on social media, a lot of Arkansas fans were not happy when he was let go. Despite everything that had happened, a lot of fans were always clamoring in Arkansas for him to come back, and they're very excited that he's coming back. I know that there's some people who aren't, but there's a lot of fans, Razorback fans, that are very happy to, for him to oh, come back. Yeah. Another yeah. take it or leave it, <laughs> Sam Pittman's going to be gone, right? Take I mean, it. Bobby Petrino yeah. is going to eventually take over. Yeah. Take it. 100%. Randy, you and I were talking about it before the start of the show. Essentially, if Petrino here gets permission or approval from the university president, he's going to be on the staff next season. And then what is to say, who is to say that halfway through the year, if the Hogs aren't struggling mightily yet again, he doesn't just get the gig, walk right into it. That's 100% what's going to happen. And he gets the transfer portal. They'll they'll be good, too. People want to win at all costs. Yep, they do. That's why Urban Meyer is going to be back somewhere. That's ridiculous. Winning the greatest elixir. Take it or leave it, guys. Monty, Jordan Montgomery, will be a Cardinal at the start of next season. Totally leave it. Leave it. He feels like somebody reported today the Orioles are interested. Hmm. And the Rangers, because they aren't going to have DeGrom, uh, the Rangers apparently are interested in bringing him back as well. But no, I would think the Cardinals are out of the Jordan Montgomery financial range at this point. Yes. Out of the free agent pitcher uh, market Mm -hmm. right now. Starting pitcher. Yeah. No reason to go back into it. Let's do some sunshine and lollipops. We love those all the time. Take it or leave it. Juan Soto. It's a difficult situation for a number of different reasons in San Diego right now. He starts the 2024 campaign as a Redbird. This is from the 636. Trade away Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson because that's practical. Because and that's, uh, and Schulte loves those guys. I don't think so. Uh, uh, what is his salary? He's going to be making too much. Uh, so, so do, oh, no, yeah. only $30 million. Uh, 30, yeah, no, 35. Not going to happen. Only? <laughs> Drop oh, in the bucket. That means a lot of production, <laughs> though. Meh. No, I'm going to leave a, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have that. to leave that one. Let's revert to our topic from the top of the show. Take it or leave it. Tiger wins another professional <laughs> tournament. Not talking about the exact circuit here, but he wins another professional tournament. Ooh. Take it. You think so? I'm going to yep. take it, just because I want it to happen. For the drama. I'm going to leave. I don't want to leave it, but I don't know that he can even walk, man. It's kind of He says hard. he's all good. Yeah, he said that last time. 
It's a professional tournament, right? Professional tournament. Correct. Once he gets to the senior story, he's on a cart. Oh, well, that doesn't count. I mean, Champion story. He'll be, he'll be playing here at the Ascension. I mean, well, in a well, yeah, we'll take Winning. that. An all-time great competitor like that, however, do you really envision him playing for very long on said circuit, the Champions Tour? I don't know. Mm. Not regularly, but no. he's such a competitor. I think he almost has to. Itch that has to be scratched. Yep, yeah. up. Thank you, Bradford. You're welcome. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Mizzou's projected to play in a New Year's Six Bowl, but... Is this ball a little different than the last ones for Eli Drinkwitz? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. In Eli Drinkwitz's first three seasons at Mizzou. They've been eligible for a bowl three times. The first year was the COVID year, and they didn't get an opportunity to play in the Liberty Bowl. Then in 2021, played in the Armed Forces Bowl against Army, lost 24-22, and Drinkwitz told a couple of his players that were headed to the NFL, don't bother playing. And then they played the Gasparilla Bowl last year and lost to Wake Forest 27-17. Nobody watches, unless you are a fan of that team, the Armed Forces Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl. This year, Everybody is projecting that Mizzou is going to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl down in Atlanta, which will have tremendous viewership on December 29th. I would argue, Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, that it's more important for Coach Eli Drinkwitz to win a bowl game this season than it has been in his previous years at Mizzou. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it, we talk about it in terms of recruiting and how that matters. It First of all, you want to have a good opponent. You want to have a team that you that is nationally recognized, and then you go out there and you beat them. And hopefully that team has all of their players playing. So there aren't any built-in excuses. Oh, the starting quarterback didn't play. Oh, the starting defensive tackle or offensive guard didn't play. You, you want all of the guys to play on both sides so that you can really compare yourself against a really good team. And that, that helps in the recruiting battles. When you go to a school and that kid has both of you on their board and they say, yeah, we just beat the hell out of those guys in the bowl game. Why do you want to go there? You know, so mm-hmm. those things all come into, into consideration for recruiting and, and really just building the momentum that Missouri is, has had this entire season. They've had a great season. They've lost a couple of tough games to LSU and to, to Georgia, two really good teams in the SEC. But they have been building – on a, a great season this year, and you want to finish it off in the right direction and then keep going forward for 2024. And the fact that it's just not any bowl game, because everybody always talks about college football, and that's one of the things I find so frustrating is it feels like everybody gets a bowl game right. This is bigger than the Liberty Bowl that they'll be playing in. They'll likely get a New Year Six Bowl, and to be able to win that, I think just really puts the cherry on top of Eli Drinkwitz and this season, what he's been able to accomplish. And I really hope that it's going to be the Peach Bowl, and against Penn State. And I I don't want it to be Tulane. I agree. I agree. And, and either way, I it, they should be very proud of accomplishing making it to the Peach Bowl, but I just don't want it to be against Tulane. Is that bad to say? No. No. Now again, that you want it to be a nationally recognized team and Penn State is is one of those teams. Penn mm-hmm. Penn State is a team that, you know, people know 
the, the tradition. They know the history of that school. And then if you are able to go in and beat a Big Ten team that is one of the top teams in the Big Ten. It, Number it really, one defense in the country. It helps you in the recruiting battle, and it helps you. There are more eyes that are going to watch a Mizzou versus Penn State than a Mizzou versus Tulane. Yeah. And that's just – and just a casual fan. So – yeah, you, you would much rather have a really good opponent as opposed to, and that's no knock against Tulane, but when you're talking about nationally recognized teams and, and, and you know, universities, Tulane is not on the same uh, level as a Penn State. No, and even looking at Tulane's schedule this year of what they've been able to do, their one loss was against Ole Miss, but there are other opponents that they have been able to beat, Tulsa, UTSA, it's not exactly teams that move the needle. Right. And by the way, both of the prognosticators at ESPN have Mizzou playing Tulane in the Peach Bowl. Jerry Palm over at CBS has Mizzou playing Penn State. And the new rankings came out last night, the new CFP rankings. And based on the rankings, Mizzou and Penn State would be the best game. Mizzou is ranked 9, Penn State is ranked 10. The problem here... And I never thought I would say this, that having a, a group of five team automatically qualify would be a problem. But Tulane is ranked 22nd. Brooke, you mentioned their schedule. They're 11-1 and one against kind of a nothing schedule. And so far what we've seen, you know, th- this all came about because Central Florida finished undefeated one year and lifted a banner. Yeah. And uh, who was it? Boise State beat Oklahoma one yep. time with the Statue of Liberty play. Well... Cincinnati plays Alabama and they get crushed. And who was it last year that was uh, Georgia TCU. crushed somebody? TCU. TC. Uh, no, a, a group of five. Uh, oh, um, who did they beat last year? It, oh no, it wasn't Georgia. It, but, it was no Georgia played TCU in the in the yeah. championship, game. and that was terrible. Yeah. 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 But anyway, the, the, yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Georgia beat Ohio State yeah, last year. Yeah, we're gonna have with the twelve team playoff. We'll still have. A group of five or whatever it is. But having a group of five when there's only 12 teams just doesn't make sense to me. Because there's no way on an annual basis that a group of five team is going to be able to play with one of the top 10 or 11 teams in the country. You can have one of those years where you have a really good team. I, I think it's I, – I like the, the, the playoff field expanding. I, I, I do too. I hate it just ha- – because there are so many things that can happen. I mean, you're not going to get Georgia – you're gonna you're not going to get Alabama in this year more than likely, and they are playing really well. You're not going to get Missouri in, and you would like to see them – up against the Georgia again or or one of those other teams that, that are in the top four. You want to see those games played, and you're not getting that this year, but in the future you will be able to see that. And I think it just gives an opportunity. It's no more excuses. Oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. We should have. No, you, you have an opportunity to play your way into a national championship game, and I think that's how it should be. Exactly. And somebody texted him from the 636, Tulane beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year. Nobody watched that. Okay. Uh, that's, that is <laughs> a very that was, fair that, point. That would have been the, the group of five team then, too late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that. That, is, that is fantastic. Used it's just, just looking at the schedule. Yeah. 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 And also from the 618, somebody texted it, Mizzou might have players opt out. I always find this is an interesting conversation. Does it bother you guys when players opt out? They shouldn't. And I understand the... the 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 reason behind it, you you look at, was it Jalen Smith a few years ago that yep. tore his knee up in the bowl game for Notre Dame? I understand why, you know, it started, I think Christian McCaffrey and yes. Leonard Fournette really were the ones that started this, but they weren't playing in bowl games that were meaningful, in my opinion. So I think when you're watching 
NFL scouts want to watch a player compete at all times. If you are, oh, I'm just not going to play. I don't want to. No, that's not that's not a guy that I want to draft. Anytime a college coach comes in and talks to me about high school kids, does he love football? Mm-hmm. Would he play in this parking lot? Yes. No, coach, he wouldn't. He, he's not like that. And that's the same thing for NFL franchises. Will this kid or will this young man play football anywhere, anyhow, at any time? And that's the type of players that they want to draft. Those are the type of players that get to go to college on scholarships is the kids that love the game of football. And to the credit of Eli Drinkwitz, he's told his team, hey, look, you can transfer, but we want you here because this is a team. Play in the bowl game and then go into the transfer portal after our bowl game. Experience this. We want you to be here with us for this and then transfer. So yeah. I think that's a good way to go about it is to to make sure, sure that players get to the finish line of a season that they put so much into. And I don't I see why you wouldn't, right? Because yeah. you were a part of the season. Right. And I understand the concerns for injury, but see, to your point, I think that if I'm an NFL team, I want a guy who's willing to stick with his team all the way until the end. Yeah, I want guys that play. Yep, guys that love football. Yes, sir. That's what it's all about. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. It's 812. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up, we're going to talk to our buddy Jamie Rivers about last night's Blues loss in Minnesota and what we can expect here over the next week or so with your St. Louis Blues with our 101 ESPN Fast Lane co-host and Blues analyst on Bally Sports. Jamie Rivers next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. SPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is William. William, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well as well. Ready? Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? I'm going to give it a shot. All right, here we go. Who was the most recent Mizzou men's basketball coach to win 30 games in a single season? Conference and NCAA tournaments included. Is it Mike Anderson, Frank Haith, or Quinn Snyder? I believe that would have been Anderson. All right. Only four players in NHL history have recorded 1,800 or more career points. They are Wayne Gretzky, Gordy Howe, Mark Messier, and who else? Is it Yarmir Yager, Ron Francis, or Mario Lemieux? Well, I, my first thought was Lemieux, so I'm going to go with Lemieux. All right. Tomorrow night, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys will aim to stay hot by beating the visiting Seattle Seahawks. Who is Dallas's all-time leader in passing yards? Is it Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, or Tony Romo? Hmm. Man, uh... I'm going to go with Troy Aikman. Final question. In 1971, Joe Torre led the league in batting average and RBI to capture the National League MVP award. Name the other Cardinal who snagged an NL MVP trophy in the 70s. 
Was it Lou Brock, Keith Hernandez, or Bob Gibson? I'm going to Lou Brock. All right, we're going to tally up our scores, make sure we are all on the same page. And uh, all right, Will, how, William, how you feel? Uh, coin toss. Coin <laughs> on toss? A, on a couple of them, yeah. Okay, you, you, were, you were guessing? Or uh, you... On a couple of those, yes. Okay, yeah. it, it happens. We, uh, we all cannot be like Megamind here who seems to know everything, all things sports-related. <laughs> Pretty intriguing. Randy, how are you feeling? I uh, feel good, CD. Feeling good, feeling I'm great. I'm a happy camper, yep. Say hello to William. William, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? Good. You go by William or Willie or Bill or Will? What do you go by? Uh, always William. Okay, I yeah. like it. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Always William. It's like the, <laughs> the, the Cheryl Crow song, uh, uh, you know, right? That's William or Willie. Uh, all I want to yeah. do is have some. I, so I, I, don't know. I, don't know. I don't know that song. Yes, Randy. you do. You okay. know it. It's, I, I, yeah, you I, do. I, I do know a lot of songs. I just don't know who That's sings them. Fun. Cheryl okay. Crow. Okay. She, she's a Mizzou grad. Is she? She used yeah. to be a kindergarten teacher here in St. Louis. There's people what? listening that right now. That, oh. uh, text in if, if uh, Cheryl Crow taught you were a friend. Yeah, I'm thinking of Celine Dion. She's from oh, Canada. She's oh, from Canada. yeah, those are two very different <laughs> singers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but. hilarious. All right, Randy, here we go. All right. Who was Mizzou, Mizzou? Who was the most recent Mizzou men's basketball coach to win 30 games in a single season, conference and NCAA tournaments included? Uh, I believe that would be Faith and Haith. I, I'm going to go with Frank Haith, maybe 2012 with 31 wins. Only four players in NHL history have recorded 1,800 or more career points. They are Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, Mark Messier, and who else? Uh, number two on the all-time list, Yarmir Yager. Played for like 40 years. Helps. All righty. Tomorrow night, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys will aim to stay hot by beating the visiting Seattle Seahawks. Who is Dallas's all-time leader in passing yards? I believe that would be one Tony Romo. Final question. In 1971, Joe Torre led the league in batting average and RBI to capture the National League MVP award. Mm-hmm. Name the other Cardinal who snagged an NL MVP trophy in the 70s. That would be Keith Hernandez, who shared it with Willie Stargell in 1979. We Are Family. That was the, the the team. And Keith claims in his book that he should have won it, but the media had some sort of a slant towards Pops Stargell. So Keith thinks that he should not have shared it with Willie. Hmm. Well, we well know that Randy was dominant yesterday. On Tuesday, here we are on hump day. He's trying to extend the prolific streak of late. William came in very excited from St. Charles. It was a good fight, but in the end, there can be only one. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Go crazy, folks. There you have it. Let's run through the results today. William versus Randy, a wide variety of sports. Randy, you were pretty much on the money, sir, insofar as your answer regarding the last time, the last season, in which Mizzou, a single coach, went for 30 or more victories. Faith and Haith, that 2011-12 season, they topped out at 30 because of that unfortunate NCAA exit. We won't 
discuss here. Interestingly, likes it. Like the CD likes that one. That was. Um, <laughs> That, uh, oh, uh, that was Norfolk State. That's right. Okay. Oh, oh shoot! Darn it! <sighs> I almost had it. Rock would have. <laughs> gosh. Rock would have been. Rock wouldn't have even oh, no. had that question. Wow! What happened against Norfolk State? Uh, they lost. That that was the day that I made my triumphant comeback from heart bypass surgery. <laughs> oh. We were over at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, and I almost had to go back in. Oh, they almost sent you back to the hospital. Two seed, and oh, they lose to Norfolk. Nor- Norfolk State, N-O-R-F-O-L-K, yep. Norfolk State. What a team, NBA talent and otherwise, and yet postseason definitely fell short. Let's go on to question number two. Only four players in NHL history with 1,800 or more career points. The great one? Gordie Howe, Mark Messier, and of course, Yaramir Yager, 1,921 points, and he's still kicking in the Czech Republic. Just started another new season not that long ago. Still going. Tomorrow night, Thursday night football matchup. The Cowboys trying to get win number nine on the campaign. They are taking on the Seahawks. Dak Prescott has been hot, but the all-time leader in passing yardage for this Dallas franchise. It's not Roger Staubach. It is not Troy Aikman. Tony Romo has the edge over Troy by a bit. 34,183 yards. And finally, question number four. Joe Torre with that banner 1971 season. He led the bigs. Batting average, RBIs, picked up the NL MVP award. There was one other Redbird who took home that trophy in the 70s. 1979, Keith Hernandez, 344 average, over 105 Runs batted in, and you know all about the Sterling defense. So this one, Randy with the clean sweep. Nonetheless, William, really appreciate your listening, sir. Thanks for coming on today, and have a great rest of the week. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, William. Have a great day. Hey, we, we've talked for a year now about how the Cardinals should approach Jordan Walker and maybe Mason Wynn. And maybe the Cardinals should get on the beam here because according to Ken Rosenthal, the Brewers are talking with the number two prospect in baseball. He's only played six games above double A. His name is Jackson Churio. And according to Ken Rosenthal, the Brewers are talking about a landmark contract that would set a new standard for players with zero major league experience who were already under team control. That's according to Rosenthal's sources. So if that price is going up for players that have very little experience, seems like the Cardinals right now would be wise to get Jordan Walker under team control for a long term at a lower rate, because then that's what the Brewers would have to surpass right now. And I guess this is close because Rosenthal is reporting it. Wouldn't you think that if Churio signs a landmark deal, that that's what Jordan Walker will ask for? Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. So I I would hope that the Cardinals, not just with Jordan Walker either, but with uh, with Mason Wynn and some of the other young players that get they like. Get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, the old commercial, pay me now or pay me later. That's what Jordan <laughs> Walker's saying. This is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, uh, apparently some fan backlash has caused one organization to make a move or not make a move. How much should fan backlash play a role for organizations? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Last Saturday night, there was a report, actually several reports, that Texas A&M was getting ready to hire Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach, as their coach to replace uh, the departed Jimbo Fisher. They subsequently hired Mike Elko, but not before Stoops reportedly was 
telling staff members, friends, and boosters that he was leaving for College Station. However, late on Saturday night, boosters at Texas A&M told Ross Bjork, their athletic director, that they wouldn't support a hiring of Mark Stoops, and they wanted somebody different at Texas A&M. So... While there was a tremendous amount of fan backlash on social media, big fan backlash determined that Stoops wasn't going to be the head coach at Texas A&M. Whether it is social media reaction like it was at Tennessee when they were going to hire Greg Schiano, or something like this where your boosters are saying, I can't support this. If you're an organization, whether you're the Cardinals or whether you're the, the folks at Texas A&M, how much voice do you give the fans when hiring or not hiring a coach or manager? I think Texas A&M is, is <laughs> lost their mind. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that Mark Stoops is a, is a very good coach. He's done a very good job at, at, at the spot he's been at. And you can't allow fans to dictate or run your program. I know they, they essentially allow the boosters to run their program. They're, they – in my opinion, that they have a delusions of grandeur for for a team that has never been an elite team in terms of winning championships or winning uh, in the SEC specifically. They 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 are a good team. They had a a Heisman Trophy winner, which you know not every team can say that they have one of those. But the notion that Texas A and M is going to be in the same waters as a LSU or Bama or Georgia every single year, I think they are you know, confused and, and believe that they are better than what they are. The state of Texas, those kids are always going to go to Texas first. I mean, if, before Texas A&M. And, you know, you just have to – you you don't want to allow people to run the program mm-hmm. that are outside of the program. But I think that that's what Texas A&M has allowed. And if you allow it once, it's going to continue to happen until you correct it. I agree. I have a love-hate relationship of my view of boosters because I understand that it's very vitally important to college sports. And it's fantastic that people want to donate their time and money to help a college. But at the same time, when it starts to get to this point where you have the boosters essentially dictating who is going to be getting a job in that way, it should be if you're Texas A&M. And I assume that they did this, but I'm not entirely sure because this is what other programs do, right? They go and get a committee, a committee of people who do a lot of research, compiled of former players, maybe even some former coaches, people who can give you really sound advice and have a clear message of, okay, well, what do we want to accomplish with this program? This is going to be the right fit for that. And that's what you have to do to keep that internally instead of just letting it get out there and letting the fans dictate who is going to be able to come in and out. And I felt like they did that on purpose, right? Like, I feel like they do this where they put a name out there to see how fans will react and then base a decision on that. You're never going to have a program that is going to get back on track if that's how you are going to go about making big decisions like that. And, Brooke, because you're a Tennessee native, I want you to react to this paragraph from Pat Forty in Sports Illustrated. And, by the way, Pat Forty is a real guy uh, at at SI. But he said this, the the Stoops (laughs) situation was not a populist revolt along the lines of Tennessee nuking the hiring of Greg Schiano in 2017. That was fueled by disingenuous character assassination. The Volunteers fans employed with Schiano by invoking ties to the Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal. In this instance, A&M backers at least were honest about declaring that they don't think Stoops is a good enough coach, and this veto started in the boardroom. From what you observed as a Tennessee fan, and your family being Tennessee fans, is that an accurate depiction of what happened with 
Greg Schiano? Yes, and it's not the first and last time that that has happened either. And Tennessee, like many other college fan bases, they have high expectations because of the success that you have had there. And that was just really a terrible decision all around. You cannot let that happen. I even think about at Tennessee the whole Lane Kiffin situation. Mm -hmm. Remember that? And Lane Kiffin loves to make fun of Tennessee fans for that, and rightfully so. Remember Conzo Martin, how he basically was ran out of Tennessee, that whole situation. You cannot let fans dictate how you go about your coaches. You should know internally what you have going on. Like I said, maybe even having committee, having advisors who are actual people who have had that experience, have understanding, can see the vision, and not letting fans, because fans are more, what are you doing for me right now, and sometimes can't see the bigger picture of what you're building. And I also, I think that's a great point, not seeing the bigger picture, the bigger vision. Because here at Mizzou, when the Tigers got rid of Barry Odom, Jim Sterk brought a group of coaches Mm -hmm. to uh, the the board of trustees. One of them was the Anderson from Arkansas State. Uh, I think one of them might have been Troy Calhoun, I think, from Air Force. There were three names. And basically the board of trustees said, why don't you just go back to work and look at another list? Because it was was a vanilla milk toast list that uh, Sterk had presented to the board of trustees. And then he, he started again and wound up with Eli Drinkwitz. Sometimes I don't think that... A demand for excellence by the board of trustees is known by the athletic director. Mm-hmm. So, he, so he says, oh, I think this is what I'm capable of. And then he has to be told, no, you're capable of more. Go do more. Yeah. I, I think just you have to give guys an opportunity to, to – but some programs aren't patient enough. I think you, you, you're – there is no guarantee when you hire a head coach that this is going to be a perfect fit. They're going to be able to recruit at the level that you need them to. They're going to get guys to play at the level. You, you, it's a it's a wait-and-see approach. And so, you know, Texas A&M decided to go in a different direction than Stoops, and now they got Mike Elko. And so we'll see if – but to me, is that – I think that's the thing that's concerning to me. Is that a bigger name more than, than Mark Stoops <laughs> exactly. would be? No, that, it really isn't. Mark, that's the yep. – the, I mean, we know Stoops because of his brother, but Mark Stoops has done a really good job Mark at Stoops at Kentucky in the last decade – at Kentucky, not known for being a football school, mm-hmm. he's won 10 games in a season two more times than Texas A&M has won 10 games in a season in the last decade. Uh, and, and I think you're exactly right. They thought, oh, he's the Kentucky coach. He can't be that good. You just got the Duke coach. Right. You're happier with the Duke coach? <laughs> right. And he's only been there. He's only been a head coach for two years. That's the part that is but you intriguing know him. to me. But you know him. He's, he was your defensive coordinator. Well, that, yeah. Okay. So boosters, you know how coaches, staff guys, they get to know boosters and yeah. get their foot in the door that way. And I would have to believe Elko probably had some of that going for him at Texas A&M. What do you guys think about boosters having a lot of a say in those decisions? I know it's different for each program, right? There's some where maybe... Maybe they have more of a decision or thought process. But what are your thoughts on that? I just feel like I understand that they have a role. I understand that they are donating money and, and sometimes large amounts of money. But it's it's similar to what politics. If you donate enough money, you can get the things done that you want to get done. That doesn't make it right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it fair. It doesn't make it the, the, the best way to go about your business. So, you know, I think it's just a fine line you have to walk and, and understand that, yeah, you're donating this money, but at the end of the day, my decisions 
being in this room every single day, dealing with these players, you know, dealing with the staff have to weigh more than the money that you're contributing. And at times it doesn't always feel that that's the way it goes. I agree. And you just have to pacify those people somehow. And you you have to say, trust us, we're doing the right thing. We love your money. And it's bigger now than ever because of NIL. But we need to do things our way. And we know some of the drawbacks of the people that Bobby Petrino Exhibit A, right? We know some of the drawbacks of the people that you love, but those drawbacks are something that we can't abide, so we have to go elsewhere. When you get to dealing with that money, though, in those waters, you make you make decisions that you probably wouldn't that's, make. You're rolling the dice, yeah, aren't you? you? Go. Yeah. yeah, and that's why this Texas A&M situation just feels like that, is that it's they've gotten to muddy water territory with some of their decisions here. Yeah, right, and it goes back to, well, it's before Jimbo Fisher, Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the, the Johnny Manziel, right? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that has gone into that A&M program that uh, has not resulted, obviously, in a lot of victories. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Blues fall in Minnesota. We've got our Rush Hour Reset coming your way. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale. 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. The Blues lost in Minnesota last night by a score of 3-1. to one. John Hines with his first game behind the bench for the Minnesota Wild. Blues were down 2-1 after a period, 2-1 after 2, and then a late goal by Minnesota landed us in that final of 3-1. to one. Braden Chen, the Blues captain, what would you think? Well, you expected them to, to come out, and they did, with after the coaching change. Kind of a tough time to catch a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, obviously they're hungry and ready, and, um, you know, I thought they really got to their game there in the second period, and, um, you know, we just, uh, you know, didn't put enough pucks in deep or, or uh, you know, they three-quarter dice us, um, you know, majority of that period, and better set on his head for us and gave us a chance for the third period, and, um, you know, weren't able to go in the third. I know it's difficult. They're doing amazing things on skates. But I wonder how difficult truly it is to get a puck in deep. <laughs> you know, that sounded philosophical for some reason. Yeah, it just, it, you know, we, we, could, we could not get pucks in deep. Well, there is this thing in the NHL in all of hockey called dump and chase, where mm-hmm. you can dump it in, get it in deep, and then chase it down, retrieve the puck, and have it in the offensive zone. I wonder you why it is. It, though. You got to yeah, be but, able to get it back. And you know what it re- that requires, CD? Grit. Effort, yep, yeah. grit. Effort. Yep. A little grit, a yeah. little effort, a little toughness. That, yeah. is, that is the key word. Also, lacking in effort, is the power play. I I don't want to keep talking about the power play, but I'm just getting really concerned. You go 0 for 4 last night, 6 for 65 on the season right now. They still have been able to win games, which is great, but it's also cost them games that but they could be winning. It's better than going 5 for 65. <laughs> <laughs> How can, that's not even sunshine and lollipops, Randy. Yeah, totally, no. totally sunshine lollipops. I mean, it's what I feel when we're together, than a lucky penny when you're near feel better? Uh, six as opposed to four six, or six five? is better than five. <laughs> okay. Barely. Well, in this case. But there. Zero is what they had you last night, so how does that make you feel? Uh, yeah, not great. <laughs> I mean, four that shots ain't... on goal versus the worst PK in the NHL is uh, and not good. We're on a power play within, like, the first two minutes of the game. Like, they mm-hmm. were really – I mean, just had opportunities. I, I don't know. It just yeah. – it, again, I, I am I am 
settled with it. I am no longer frustrated by it. You know, sometimes when you have high <laughs> expectations and things don't go your way, you can really become frustrated and it sits with you. Yeah. But when you lower your expectations and those expectations are met. Proud of you. Then you you, you are no longer frustrated. Yeah, I, I don't have the, the over you know, the, the overwhelming, overarching expectations. I'm 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 gonna watch, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna allow my brain to process it, and then I'm gonna go with what I see. Mm-hmm. Not everything that I hear, because what I hear doesn't always match what I see. But what I see mm-hmm. is going to tell me the story of how I need to handle these things going forward. I'm taking that stance with the Cardinals and with the St. Louis Blues until further notice. Are you? That proud, sounds Carrie? peaceful. It, it's I want pl- to be listen. that peaceful, Carrie. <laughs> I want to be. I'm in a great place right now. Mm-hmm. That's good. Frustrated. <laughs> they play well. I feel good. They don't. Nah, okay. Because your cool. expectations aren't. I'm even keel, man. <laughs> gonna stay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna win more than two. I'm not gonna lose more than two. I'm gonna oh, stay even keel. I don't like being in this. <laughs> it doesn't feel that peaceful to be in that oh, state of mind. It's, it's a it's, fantastic. It's unhealthy to be any other way. <laughs> yeah. The highs and lows are are extremely unhealthy, man. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to look at it that way. Hey, yesterday, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, who's had six coaches in six years and has the worst, second worst record in the league since he took over, his name is David Tepper. He's a hedge fund guy. And he was asked about uh, having six coaches now in six years, including three interims, and about his impatience. And here's what he had to say. My reputation away from this game is one for extreme patience. You know, there's no reason why that doesn't, you know, come here too. It does. Now, that patience comes with good performance and things that you want to see progress be made on in different aspects. Um, and as you know, as I said, you know, I would like to have somebody here for 20, 30 years. I'd like to have somebody <laughs> that would say eulogy at my funeral in 30 years. Okay, maybe it's 40 years. I hope, but uh, that's what I'd like to have. Oh, sure, you would. Boo. Well, Carrie, you were just talking about the words matching up with what you're seeing. The words are not matching up with what I'm seeing. I'm thinking that 30 years would be longer than 11 games. Listen, (laughs) it it doesn't seem like there's a lot of patience there. You you had Ron Rivera, then you... You went to Perry Fuel when when you mm-hmm. fired Ron, and mm-hmm. then you went to Matt Rule the following season. You gave him two two and a half years. Uh, you, you gave Steve Wilkes the job, who I thought did a really yeah. a damn good job when he took over for for Matt Rule, and then you went on and hired Frank Reich, and you gave him one whole se- well, eleven games, whole season, eleven game, a uh, three fourths of a season uh, about, and said, you know what, I don't want to do. It. What the hell is wrong with him? He says he's really really patient. How? I don't know. I, I mean, I can understand Matt Rule. Okay, you gave him three years, two and a half years. Eh, okay, but you, you, Frank Reich must have done something or said something that yeah. just he couldn't stand it anymore. And to give you an idea of David Tepper's patience, he got ticked off in the his press conference lasted fourteen minutes. So he's not the most patient. He's going to have seven <laughs> coaches with the interim, and and it's going to be seven guys within five. That's five seasons: 2019, 20, mm-hmm. 21, 22, 23, oh, 24, be seven and six. Maybe he should listen to some Taylor Swift because she has a song where she says, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. And maybe that's what he should be looking at at this point. There's There has to be something going on there when you have a pattern like that. Yeah, I just don't think that uh, he, well, he, he probably will wind up being 
on a football level like Dan Snyder? Because he also said during the press conference that he signed off on them drafting Bryce Young over over C.J. Stroud. And said that it was unanimous. Which yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a lie. I, I mean, I don't think it was a unanimous decision in that room. Because they were going to go to number two, trade up to get to number two, because mm-hmm. they thought that the Texans would take Bryce Young. And, and so, but then you decided to go, I guess you wanted Bryce Young that bad, so you wanted to, up to, one. to move up to one. I, I get that, but I don't know that it was unanimous. I'm it's betting hard that it wasn't. as hell to get 15 <laughs> people to agree on one person in, in all agreements, like unanimously. Yeah, we, all, we all like them. Well, you know how you can is person. if you're surrounded by a bunch of yes men who are afraid uh, to speak up and like say them? something yeah, against you. Yeah, I love you. them. Oh, I love them. <laughs> you like them? I love them. Love them. That's what I was thinking the whole time. You're the so smart. opinion matter for? <laughs> you got the money. <laughs> All right. One final thing. And the Montreal Expos were a really fun organization. They didn't go to a World Series or win a World Series. But they were a fun, interesting organization for a long time. And the Hall of Fame put Andre Dawson into the Hall of Fame wearing a Montreal Expos cap. He has sent a letter to the Hall of Fame president, Jane Forbes Clark, asking that his cap be switched from Expos to Cubs, where he won his MVP and had some really good years. What do you guys think of that, of him making that request? I believe that once you go in, if you didn't make your case strongly enough when you went in, I don't think that your cap should be changed once you're already in the Hall of Fame. And the um, plaque has been up there. Ah, uh, So you think he should have fought harder to have it? Yeah, he in should 20, have said something? Yeah, in 2010 when he went in. So he spent 11 years in Montreal, six in Chicago with the Cubs. I, I mean, I think it's just a blessing to be in the Hall of Fame, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Funk. And he says, Andre Dawson, over time, I've thought about it more and came to the conclusion I should have had some say-so. I personally feel my mission for the rest of my life going forward, if that's what it takes, is to right a wrong. Okay. I mean, he made five all-star teams in Chicago. He said won the MVP. I, I, I guess I can understand it, but I don't, I don't know. I kind of think when he went to Chicago... He was already a Hall of Famer. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's the approach I would take if I were the Hall of Famer. I'd say, look, you were a great player for the Cubs. But if you had retired rather than go to the Cubs, you would have been a Hall of Famer anyway. And that's the reason that we put you in, in an exposed so they don't get a they don't get a say? Uh, the, I thought they, they got they a say. A request. I well, Scott Rowland had, had, was able to say. Uh, he, he can say what he feels, prefers. but they... The Hall of Fame makes that well, decision make at the end. And here's why. Because when Wade Boggs, who had played for the Red Sox and the Yankees, signed with the Rays as a free agent, he's from Tampa, part of the contract was that when he went into the Hall of Fame, he would be wearing a Rays well, that's cap. ridiculous. And, yeah, so the yeah. the Rays bought it, and the and the Hall of Fame said, no, we aren't, we aren't going there. Yeah. Uh, and so that's <laughs> why he wound up... Uh, uh, he, being Boggs, wound up wearing a Boston cap in the Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame took it back. Bruce Souter probably would have been a Hall of Famer before he came to the Cardinals, but because he won the World Series with the Cardinals and had his best year with the Cardinals, he's in with an STL cap. But uh, I, I think Dawson being there as an expo is the right thing. That's tough, especially since it already happened, and 
I mean, how much would it cost to do that to change that the plaque? Well, he or could, is that he even could afford it? If he wanted to have it done, he could. <laughs> but it would just be a matter of that they yeah. just wouldn't want to right. change yeah, it. Yeah, just re. All, all they need to do is recut it. I don't. I don't think it'd be that hard, or expensive. Let me give you his numbers, by the way, in Montreal. Uh, game level standard batting as a member of the Expos, uh, two eighty hitter, eight oh two OPS with the Cubs. 285 hitter, 834 OPS, playing in the old Wrigley, by the way, which was easier to hit the ball out of. Uh, and obviously tw- almost twice as much time with the Expos as the Cubs. So yeah. uh, I, I would go there. And he won his only MVP. Notable that he won his only MVP as a member of the Cubs. All right, that's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to our buddy Xavier Scruggs. Xavier's going to tell us what he thinks of the Cardinals starting pitching signings next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And last August, when the Cardinals traded Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, the president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, said we're going to need to go out and get three starting pitchers. And he has with Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and most recently, Sonny Gray. And uh, I had my reaction to it. I still think the Cardinals have work to do to get a front-of-the-rotation guy, but I wanted to get a guy whose opinion I actually respect more than mine, and that's former big leaguer, former Cardinal Xavier Scruggs of MLB Network and ESPN, and he joins us now on the Celebrity Line. Mr. Scruggs, it's always great to have you on in St. Louis. How are you doing? Oh, Brooke, Kerry, Randy, I appreciate you guys for having me. I'm doing good. Um, glad to see the Cardinals making some moves, but um, I, I'm like I'm like you. I, I need to see some more. I need to see a little bit of more. All right, let's start with what is done. What's your impression of the three they've signed? And whatever way you want to do it, either individually or as a unit, what do you think of Lynn first, Gibson, and then the signing of Gray? Yeah, from a from a unit standpoint, I like the idea that Mosaic addressed the, the needs that were most important. When you look at uh, from a priority standpoint going into the offseason, you look at last year and – it was clear that starting pitching depth was an issue. Um, they weren't able to have guys giving them consistent innings day in and day out, right? So first of all, you address that, and we understand it's not going to be, when you think about Gibson and Lynn, you're not getting the high-end starters, right? You're not getting the huge um, nasty stuff or the huge swing and miss stuff. Um, you get guys that will give up their fair share of hits and their fair share of runs, but the focus was to make sure that you have guys that will give you a chance to stay in the game by giving you length within the game. So to me, that helps the bullpen first and foremost, because you're not draining your bullpen throughout the course of the season. And then secondly, that helps your offense be able to have an opportunity to stay in the game and not feel like they're always coming from behind and feel like they have extra pressure on themselves. So I like that. And then Sonny Gray gives you more of a top-end rotation guy in which now you get, now you get a guy that can hopefully, you, when you start thinking about postseason, you start thinking about playoffs, that's a more of a front-line guy that can face some of those better starters. Well, I'm in the same boat as you in the way that I think that they aren't done yet, and hopefully they aren't done yet. So what do you think about the possibility of them making a trade for another starting arm? Yeah, I think that's where the focus is, is going to be um, with this front office and, and moving forward into the offseason because 
I don't, I don't think that as far as what we've seen in the past, you don't see the Cardinals really in play for some of the big name, whether it be pitchers or even um, the guys on the free agents. When you look at outfielders like a Cody Bellinger or something like that, I'm looking at, there's guys like Dylan Cease, um, you know, when you think about guys like Shane Bieber, some some of the guys that are available via trade in which now you have guys on, on the Cardinals roster, a little bit more depth in position players. Now you can use some of those guys, whether it be a Tyler O'Neill. I don't want to name everybody, but whether it be a Tyler O'Neill, a, a Dylan Carlson, um, guys that you've seen that have done some things at the big leagues, but still looking for more consistency. Other teams can use those types of players as well in, in a trade for a pitcher, or if we want to get serious, maybe even looking at a Juan Soto. That'd be fun. Xavier, I want you to go back to that first name you mentioned, though, Dylan Cease, because I bring up his name all the time. Your impressions of him, I know he had a tough year, your impressions of Dylan Cease, though. Man, I, I really I love the stuff, I, and I think – you know, he's one of those guys that's still learning more about himself and continuing to get better. Last year wasn't a great year specifically as far as command, but I think that the Cardinals are missing that ace, right? They're missing that one guy that they're going to be able to go out and you're going to get 10 to 12 strikeouts from every time. You're going to be able to the, – the other opposing lineups are going to be a little bit scared and apprehensive um, to try to take huge swings off of a guy's. And I think – once you have a guy at the front line like that, that feeds off into everybody else throughout the course of a series and throughout the course of a season when you're talking about your pitching staff. And I think that's just one thing that when you look back for the Cardinals over the past few years, it's like, where's that guy been? And, and I think if you're thinking like I'm thinking, and I want to see the Cardinals getting too deep in the postseason winning World Series, those are the types of pitchers that you need on your roster. Xavier, we're looking at the the Cardinals, and and we've seen that this game is starting to go to more swing and miss stuff from pitchers. Does it concern you any that three of the five starters that the Cardinals have, Miles Michaelis, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, are three of the five top hit allowers in the major leagues from last season? (laughs) I would say, yes, definitely that concerns me. I think the one thing with Lance Lynn, I think the the ballpark is going to help him. He's familiar with being in St. Louis. He does get swing and miss, um, and, and he, he has the capability to leave guys on base. Um, but that's, that goes back to the, the, the one thing I feel like the Cardinals are missing is just the front-line swing and miss guy. And I feel like someone like a Dylan Cease it can be able to help in that fact. Um, but if it's not that, then that's why I mentioned it, you use your, you use your uh, position player depth into maybe looking at – um, uh, another middle-of-the-order bat like a Juan Soto because if you're not going to limit teams from scoring runs, you have to be able to figure out ways to score more runs. And I think we'll see this offense better than it was last year. They got off to a horrible start. But but I think that there's different ways to supplement these moves that, that Mosaic is looking to make. I would love to see Juan Soto in a Cardinal jersey for the year. But, man, I just I don't see that happening, Xavier. I will. It, I think it depends upon the priorities of the Cardinals, right? You look at, um, you know, if, if they're more focused on trying to go get an, maybe another starting pitcher via trade, if it's something that they're looking more now, they could be looking more bullpen at this point. But I'm looking at if a, there's a Padres team that's looking to like upload or, or give away, you know, trying to save $33 million, I'm looking at 
the teams with the best prospects available. And you always look at St. Louis as being one of those teams. And specifically, you think about some guys that, you know, that are still young playing the outfield position. I, I, I hate to say the name Jordan Walker, but there's teams that are looking at a Jordan Walker that's going to be like, wait a minute, that could be a guy that I could add to my roster as well. And, the, and if the Cardinals are looking at it to where, okay, Jordan Walker maybe not isn't going to provide the power that we're looking for from an outfielder, they could be looking at options like that. that those are just things that I try to think along with some of this front, the, the front offices. Man, I don't want to hear that. I don't know if anybody else wants to hear that right now. We we but, love but Jordan Walker and his about, abilities. But, 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 Brooke, you would think about having a Juan Soto in replace for somebody that maybe hasn't produced as consistent. If I say maybe it's not a Jordan Walker, but what if it is a, a Dylan Carlson and, a, and, a, and an O'Neal? Like, you start thinking about that a little bit more. But, of course, you want to see the guys that you already have start to perform a little bit more as well. Do you think that uh, you're talking about potential trade pieces other than Jordan Walker? Who else do you think would be on that list of players that uh, that a team would be interested in from the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, I, I think if we're looking at bigger name guys when we're talking about these trades, the 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 one of the biggest pieces is going to have to be a libertor. That that would be a guy that you would have to you would because other teams are always looking for starting pitching coming back and young controllable starting pitching. That would be a name that the teams would start to look for, um, you know, along with some of these uh, uh, younger guys that I mentioned. But, you know, that's just that, – that I think that now seeing the Cardinals make the depth moves that they've made, now it's, it's just based upon how deep do we want to – how deep do we want to be? Do we want to be a team that can win the NL Central or do we want to be a team that could win the World Series? And I think there's differences when you look at these rosters. And even going back into last year, when you look at the Texas Rangers and the starting pitching and the frontline starting pitching that they had, even going to the trade deadline and bringing in a Montgomery and a Max Scherzer. And then you just look at from a from an offensive standpoint, that their ability to, to hit with anybody. And I think the Cardinals could be a team like that, but they'd have to extend themselves and take some risks. I wanted to ask you about something else. You posted last night this great long thread explaining of what it was like working with Mike Schilt, and you really had a ringing endorsement of the Padres hiring him. Just explain, kind of give us a a synopsis of what you put on X last night of why this is such a great hire for the Padres. Yeah, I I wanted to take my time before I reacted to the hiring, and and it's been about a week now. And I, I put it out there, and what I said was, the things that I learned from playing with Schilt and, and playing underneath Mike Schilt is, is more almost about the type of person he is and, and what he and how he gets the best out of the player and how he understands other players and their, their personalities. And it's not just the players, it's the staff. And there's a leadership quality that's different than a lot of other coaches and managers that I've seen. And it's almost like he cares more holistically about the player and the person more than he does himself or the game specifically. And I think that's something that feeds off into a clubhouse. And when you think about the Padres, that was, that was one of the issues with them was you kept hearing the clubhouse isn't, isn't what it should be. There's no leadership. There's, you know, guys that should be standing up for one another and all that. And I'm like, if there's one person that can really address that side of things, I believe it can be Mike Schilt. 
And, you know, obviously he didn't get the best go in St. Louis. There were some issues there, uh, you know, with whether it be front office or whatever. But I look at him getting another opportunity says a lot about the Padres understanding and bringing in a guy that's been in their organization for a couple years now, understood the minor leagues, has understood the development side, and now he can take the reins and, and really make a difference. Xavier Scruggs, we have so much respect for your opinion. You always have great thoughts and very thoughtful uh, notes for us and, as Brooke mentioned, on X about Mike Schilt. Thanks so much for the time. Great to have you, and uh, happy holidays, sir, if we don't talk to you before Christmas. Yeah, you guys, too. Always love hanging out with you guys. Appreciate it. We'll do it again. Thanks. That's the great Xavier Scruggs joining us here on 101 ESPN. I'm glad that, uh, because I, I do have a ton of respect for his thought process, I'm glad that my feeling about the pitching staff aligns with his, that mm-hmm. you still need to get the big boy at the front of the rotation. Yes. I think we all are, are in agreement with that. I think that, you know, you're excited about, well, cautiously optimistic is the, the phrase that I like to use now, about what they've done. But again, you still know that there's more work to be done, hopefully, that there's more mm-hmm. more work to be done. And, and you know, there are Cardinals have some, some really good players on their roster that a lot of teams would be interested in. Uh, we got a text from the 618 saying he, he, he's talking about moving Jordan Walker. I'm pretty sure he said that's what opposing teams would want in return for a player like Juan Soto, which, yeah, yeah. you would. That's what the Nationals want. Everybody exactly. wants Jordan Walker, and it would be foolish of the Cardinals to go that route, but that's what opposing teams want. Uh, the, the notion that you can just sell off your worst players and get another team's best player is the craziest thing that I hear on a daily basis. That's not how it works. Unless they you're want... dealing with Colorado for Nolan Arenado. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> that, now, that, that's that's a, that was a no-brainer. You know what, yeah, you give us those couple of guys. You can have our best player. Austin Gomber. Yeah. Yeah. do we care for him. But generally speaking, that's yeah. not how it works. Right. Wait, so you're saying that we can't trade a Tyler O'Neill for a Tyler Glass now? That's no, it? The no, other parts no, of the package? No, no, no. They're no. both hurt they, all the time. They won't, they won't do it. Usually not how it works. Darn. Sorry. Uh, Robert Thomas joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Okay. I got to get to this text before we get to Robert Thomas. Okay. Uh, Because the Google machine writes, in the U.S., Xavier, X-A-V-I-E-R, is pronounced as though it starts with a Z, like Xavier. While traditionally, the (laughs) name is pronounced as though it begins with an H, more like Javier. Origin, the name Xavier, or Xavier, is of Arabic origins, meaning new house and bright. Xavier Scruggs pronounces his name Xavier. He does, I'm not going to suggest to him that he's pronouncing his name wrong. No, because that's his name. That is his name. And and to this texture, my son's name is Xavier, Z-A-V-I-E-R, and that's how we pronounce it, Xavier. You wouldn't be able to tell me how to pronounce his name. I've had people call him Xavier. 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 People have actually said that? Yeah, we were on a cruise, and they were like, Xavier, Xavier. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. (laughs) 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 But his name is Xavier. And Xavier is Xavier. I don't think you can tell someone... I had a I had a friend when I was growing up. We were we were I'll never forget this. We were at uh the YMCA. His mom worked at the YMCA. We were trying to we we trying to tell him tell his mother how to pronounce her son's name. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "I named him." 
What the hell are you talking about? That's just that's not right. That's, that's not his name. Uh, yeah, it is. I named him. That's Get out of funny. my face, kid. That's Never just that. yeah. I, I feel like you can't tell people how to say their name. No. And there's definitely you some definitely that... can't tell a parent how to say their child's name. No, you shouldn't do that. It's kind of I crazy. like Xavier now. Xavier, yeah, it was, it was pretty so cool. Fancy. We started calling him that. For a little while, because they're like Xavier, Xavier, and uh, oh. uh, and by the way, uh, according to Baseball Reference, he does pronounce his name Xavier. I, I put that on there for this texter who was clearly telling us how to say it properly. Good, thank you for that, though. Uh, let's go to the celebrity line and a gentleman whose name is very easy to pronounce, Robert Thomas of your St. Louis Blues, joins us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Robert, thanks so much for getting up and uh, joining us this morning. How you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Got to start with this because uh, we talked about, uh, and Kerry is not buying into this, uh, last Friday you have that game against Nashville on the heels of getting in late and having Thanksgiving dinner. How much effect did Thanksgiving dinner and getting in late have on that game against the Nashville Predators? Um, I, don't, I don't think too much. I think, uh, you know, we just came out flat and, and couldn't really recover from it. So um, I don't think kind of you know, Thanksgiving and we, we have had a busy travel schedule. So, um, the last couple of weeks have been kind of crazy, but, um, definitely, definitely not an excuse for that game. Okay. I, I was just, I was giving you the trip hey, to fan excuse. We don't, we don't make excuses as athletes, <laughs> yeah. uh, Randy. We, we just right. take care of business. Either you got it done or you didn't get it done. That's the, that's the world we live in. It's black and white. We don't, we don't worry about that. Robert, I was, uh, watching the game yesterday and there was a, a, uh, interesting hairdo that you had going on in pregame. Would you like to discuss the the double man bun uh, that you were rocking in pregame yesterday? You see, I'm I'm surprised this wasn't the first question. Yeah, I, I, I was waiting on it. I saw it. It was it was glorious. Do tell us how you ended up with your hair in that style. Oh, great. <laughs> um, well, I did lose a bet. Um, we had a little game going um, the day before. Uh, just at the end of practice, and of course, it was uh, one of my ideas to start start up the game. So of course, I lost the game, and that's the way it always goes. And um, yeah, they, um, a couple of the guys got to pick what I I did my hair as. Who were you betting with, and what would you have done to them if you would have won? That's a good question. Um, it's hard when you got longer hair because you know if you try and style it or anything, it just but when I start skating, it'll just go back to my normal. So uh, ponytails is kind of the only option. <laughs> it was a very tiny man bun. <laughs> I saw the photo. It was hilarious from last night. Well, I did want to ask you one thing about, we were talking about earlier about the power play, and I know that we have spoken to you about this before, but what can you guys do differently on the power play right now? Yeah, I mean, uh would have been nice to get one last game. It was kind of, uh, would have changed the whole game, but um, you know, I feel like the last five or six games it's been a lot better. Um, you know, a couple games we scored, a couple we've had some really good chances, posts and, and stuff like that. So uh, I feel like in in general our, our chances are a lot better and our productivity has been better. Um, you know, obviously last night we get one side game with you know ten minutes left in the third and, and we're right in the game. So um, you know that would have been nice. Jake Neighbors moving up to the top line. How, what have you seen from him in his play? 
Yeah, Jake's been great. Uh, he's been one of our better forwards for, for quite a while. Um, you know, he's doing everything right. He's, you know, playing good defensively, blocking shots. He's playing physical. Um, he's working hard. He's making great plays. Um, obviously, he's scoring goals too, but um, I think that's just a product of you know, how hard he's working. And he's obviously a really talented player um, who, who, you know, everyone's had their eyes on for a while, and uh, he's living up to it. Hey, Robert, you you guys are a quarter of the way through the season now. Uh, what's your 5,000-foot view of where the Blues are? Yeah, I think uh, I think we've just been inconsistent. I think, uh, you know, we, we've beaten good teams. We've lost to good teams. Um, and I think we're kind of right in the mix, I would say. Um, you know, we're obviously in a playoff spot, which is huge. Um, so, so I don't think we can complain about that, but... Uh, just the consist- consistency aspect of it, uh, you know, we're able to, to nail that down, then we're, we're in good shape for the rest of the year. You mentioned the word inconsistent. How do you find that consistency uh, night in and night out? Uh, I think we've showed spurts of it. I think, you know, we've we've teed together a couple good games in a row, and um, then we've kind of gone, gone two games good, one game bad, and um, – I couldn't tell you the correct answer for it. I think it's something we we all need to dig in and find out. But um, yeah, I think that's that's been our main thing this year. I love when you guys do the parents trips, and you guys just had the dad trip. What was it like having your dad around? Yeah, it was great. Uh, I mean, you know, my dad loves to chirp me. Obviously, you guys probably <laughs> saw the interview. Um, so it was uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, I mean, it's such a special trip every year. Um, whether it's moms or dads or, or you know, some people have their brothers or grandparents. So um, it's it's a really special trip. It allows the, the families to get closer and uh, you obviously with other dads. So, um, you know, we all, we all love the trip. Robert Thomas, always good to have you with us. Thanks so much. Go get him against Buffalo tomorrow and then back out on the road against Arizona on Saturday. Have a good trip. Thanks, guys. Take care. Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with a little edition of Rock and Roll. Uh, No, no, no. This is called The Grim Report. The Grim Report. Yes. It's next on 101 ESPN. (laughs) You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I want to rock. And roll. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's kind of rock and roll, but it's really the Grim Report. CD? The Grim Report. That is beautiful. Guys, for this version of today's Grim Report, the Nutty Nooners of Newt Nation are just absolutely excited, enthralled, Mm -hmm. ecstatic, rejoicing, if you will, because Lars Newbar has been named one of Japan's GQ Men of the Year. Congratulations to our friend in the show, Lars Newbar, the Nutty Nooners of New Nation, of course, are always proud of you. Lars, what do you have to say about it? It's pretty unbelievable. Um, I'm so thankful to you guys and, you know, GQ and everybody else. Like, I'm on cloud nine. It really was probably the most memorable year of my life. The WBC obviously comes to mind. 
our you know 23 Cardinal season comes to mind. It's been a year that I'm forever thankful for. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty sleek and good. Honestly, I like this thing. Uh, I'm used to wearing you know board shorts and and you know playing baseball and wearing baseball pants growing up going to the beach and so being able to wear something like this you know you feel pretty good i want it to be better and i want to be better in every way that i can so um i want to continue to challenge myself and just um you know strive for more thank you guys so much um to all the fans out there um you guys are what inspires me and um i hope that i can inspire some of you too i go out there and i like to have a smile on my face because um there is no reason for me not to with um, the support that you guys have given me. Lars, you inspire us. International man of mystery, international superstar, the link to getting Yamamoto to St. Louis. No, oh, okay. No, yeah, we tried. We I mean, did. he'll come visit Lars yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> Can we listen to the first 15 seconds of this one more time, please, by the way? Of course. Uh, we'll get it. Uh, I just thought that there was a really interesting comment, Lars. Did you get, catch this? Did you catch this? It's, and uh, it's a good thing. Here we go. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, I'm so thankful to you guys and you know GQ and everybody else. Like I'm on cloud nine. It really was probably the most memorable year of my life. The WBC obviously comes to mind. Our you know 23 Cardinal season comes to mind. Really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Hey! Like, Whoa. Hey! Okay, got my attention too. What the hell was that? <laughs> Memorable for sure. Hey, in, J in Japan, <laughs> they don't have to know what happened this year for the Cardinals, okay? Oh, in Japan, we don't have to tell them about that because right now, Lars Newtbar is an international superstar and a star in Japan. We don't have to tell them about what exactly happened with the Cardinals this season. All you have to know is that the World Baseball Classic happened, and then the season happened after that for the Cardinals. And yeah, don't look at the record. It's important to mention the WBC because that was the catalyst for all things that took exactly. place. That was the thing that lit you know, this season on fire, not in a great way. Exactly. They so got injuries, you got players not able to meet with coaches and catchers and, you know, whew, good thing. We'll, we'll be okay because we don't have the WBC next year, right? Exactly. At least Lars, too, had a, a good World Baseball Classic out yeah, of everybody. They, they won. I think all of us in this room would probably, simply because of Tommy Edmund playing second, like Lars to start the season in center field. I'm good with that. Why not? wouldn't bother me one bit no let's do it no and for the second half of our grim report we we touched on this a little bit earlier but arkansas is bringing back their ex-head coach bobby petrino as we know bobby petrino bobby, bobby, had that bobby. infamous press conference where he's what wearing he the do? neck brace and having covered he, the razorback what did he how do did he end up in the neck brace uh, what happened this is a strange is a, photo that we see on the internet i, I never understood or under or, or knew exactly why he had that neck brace on he had bruises all over his face what what happened exactly um you could say it was a kerfuffle with oh. a motorcycle oh and with a uh, young himself. lady oh, oh. his no. wife no oh she was yeah. an employee at the university, she was, oh, she right? Was yeah. Oh, they, yeah. 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 <laughs> Former volleyball player at Arkansas, and Whoa. they had a little bit of a Jessica tryst. Durrell yes. is her name. A little bit of a tryst and uh, gave her a job that she was not qualified for, $20,000. Then he proceeded to lie to Arkansas's program and to the fans. He willingly, nobody forced him, I want to make this clear, nobody forced him to go up there and do that press conference after that motorcycle accident. He wanted to do that. 
What do you guys think about this move? And also, if I was Sam Pittman, you just had Juracek, their their guy in charge over there in Arkansas, say, no, we're going to keep Sam Pittman. But then you go and hire your ex-head coach, which is who is still very well loved in Arkansas, by the way. I think that that signals that you're not going to have a job soon if you're Sam Pittman, right? Probably. Well, you know. Are you going to win? That's that's the key. That's, Are, all, that's really all that matters. Yeah. I mean, you got Urban Meyer kicked the kicker, and he's probably yeah. going to get hired again. <laughs> I will say this. And this man. Did the kicker miss a big kick? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it was in preseason. I, that's true, yeah. He was stretching. This man loves Arkansas, though. I mean, how wouldn't you if you leave an NFL coaching job? 13 weeks into the season, and you give your players a note in the locker room and then flee to Fayetteville. That, that was a. Uh, so that listen, happened. That did mm-hmm. happen. And I feel like I've, I, I forgot about that, but that was a intriguing moment. What happened to UNLV? He, he accepted that job too, right? And did he ever coach there? He walked up out of there. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. No oh okay. Yep. So you're saying there's a track record of. He's Just a, maybe. He's a, he's, a, he's a me guy. By the way, he's also 34 and 17 at Arkansas. They remember that. That's all that they care about yep. right there oh, is, he, is that. He rehabilitated himself at Missouri State. I forgot. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I think his son is still the offensive coordinator at Missouri State, Paul. Believe really? so. Really? Yeah. So, uh, we're, Good for him, man. And he had another, I, I think, a brother that was also. Maybe Paul Listen, was a brother. Paul is his brother. If yeah. you can get in and they allow you to stay in, don't ever leave. Just keep doing Yeah. Your shenanigans. Well, I'll tell you what, Bobby Petrino will make the rivalry with Mizzou more of a rivalry. That'll be fun. Oh, uh, him and so, yeah. you know what? I will pay. Yeah. To watch him and drink at the fifty-yard line. Oh, no. right. <laughs> just put a steel cage yes. around him and let him drink, stand on business, and and Bobby is gonna have his neck yeah. brace on. You get to it. Great. Hey, oh. uh, Blues fans. <laughs> You can join Jamie Rivers and Donnie Fandango for a special live taping of the Last Minute Blues podcast Wednesday, today, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Twin Peaks in Maplewood. Hang out with Donnie and Jamie from 6 to 7 and enjoy Twin Peaks' selection of local craft beers, handcrafted whiskey cocktails, and more. Then from 7 to 8, stick around as the guys cover all the latest hockey news during a special live Last Minute Blues podcast taping. It's all happening tonight from 6 to 8 with Donnie and Jamie at Twin Peaks in Maplewood. Learn more at 101ESPN.com. Com. And, by the way, CD's heading out to uh, Cybergs, are you not? I am, Thursday. Yeah, looking forward to that. PM. That's uh, Cybergs downtown with mm-hmm. the uh, NFL season underway and the Fastlane and Rizzuto show battling in the Pick'em Challenge. Uh, sometimes we get together to hang out and watch some football, and that's what's going to happen with Moon and CD tomorrow, 6 to 8 at Cybergs downtown. Uh, Fastlane is beating the brakes off of the yeah, they are. show. That's pretty good. Yeah, there they're... you go. Yeah. Good uh, clean so, fun. Uh, can you bring back some wings for us? Yeah, Even though please. I know that it's it's gonna be okay. Yep. Uh, tomorrow, <laughs> I might forget them in the morning. So no. you might want to text me. Tomorrow, six to eight, CD Moon and Bud Light at Cybergs on Market Street downtown. Great job today by our kind of uh, Antonio Pierce and interim uh, uh, producer, audio, video engineer, Bradford Bruns. We can go with that in You're any winning. event. I'm, there you go. I am much warmer now and no longer have to play with uh, Cartman and Kenny out there, there in the streets. Oh, there you go. nice. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? Yes. Good. Uh, CD. Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? 
Hey, you've got a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax, followed by BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then the fast lane from 2 to 6. We thank you for tuning into this fine program uh, today, and uh, we hope that you have a great day. As a matter of fact, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.